It's time for the KHNS Local News. I'm Alan de Brimenil. Today in the news, an increased risk of avalanche, and the moose numbers are in. Last week in the Upper Lynn Canal, there was evidence of a surprising warmth at altitude. The Haines Avalanche Center's weather stations registered temperatures of up to 40 degrees at mountaintop level. A 33-mile resident reportedly observed snow melting in the high country above his home and water cascading down the mountain when it was a cold 5 degrees on the valley floor. This is indicative of an inversion phenomenon, also called an overrun. We contacted Rick Fritsch, forecaster at NOAA's Juno office, for comments. Most of southeast Alaska uh, saw temperatures that were uh, aloft, anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000 feet up into the uh, atmosphere, uh, much, much warmer than the surface temperatures. Cold, dry, Arctic air that came at us from the Yukon and from British Columbia settled down low and uh, kept us uh, very cold at the surface. Meanwhile, we had air uh, coming in from the southwest at, uh, at altitude that was significantly warmer uh, than the surface. Frisch says the warm air layer likely extended from 2,500 to 5,000 feet, meaning last week one could have been comfortable up Mount Rybinski wearing only a sweater. These air layers are eventually mixed up by wind. He describes how drastic the differences can be between his workplace and downtown Juneau. We could be in the upper teens, maybe lower 20s, and no wind. And then 10 miles away, downtown Juneau, there's a lot of wind making all the uh, air mix vertically. It'll be 20, 30 degrees warmer downtown than it is here in the valley. So the wind-sheltered areas are really where we see the inversions uh, most of the time in the winter. This high-altitude warm air melts the top layer of the snow, which freezes again when the temperature drops. This increases the risk of avalanche. Here is Haines Avalanche Center director Eric Stevens explaining the process. The ice layer forms in the snowpack, and that acts as a barrier, and it keeps temperatures from moving throughout the snowpack, and it keeps moisture from moving throughout the snowpack. And it basically builds up energy right around that crust and causes crystals on either side of the crust to get weaker. And those form a weak layer over time, and then avalanches can fail on that weak layer. It isn't a rare phenomena, and the Avalanche Center keeps track of those ice-forming events and takes them into account in their risk assessment. So the inversion created a, a new crust this last weekend, but it's definitely not the only crust in the snowpack. And in fact, we have we've had other more significant warm-ups over the last month or two that have caused much more significant crust, even than the one this weekend. So we're much more worried currently about some crusts that are deeper down in the snowpack, back from November especially. Stevens warns of a particularly high risk of avalanches for at least the first part of the winter. Uh, it's currently, we've got a pretty dangerous persistent slab problem that can be tricky, it can be hard to predict, and uh, it can definitely lead to, to deadly avalanches, much more so than in previous years. So um, we really want to express caution and, and and make sure people are checking the avalanche forecast and generally just being conservative with their decisions in the backcountry. And because these are persistent weak layers, this danger is going to last for a little bit. As a matter of weeks, could be months. It kind of depends on how the winter progresses. Hopefully by later in the late winter, or early spring, hopefully things will be healing a little bit, but it's way too early to say. As for now, it's, it's pretty, pretty sketchy out there. 
global temperature rise and the more extreme weather variations associated with it increase the risk for avalanches everywhere. You can find a link to the Haynes Avalanche Center on our website. This fall, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game was able to survey the whole Chilkat Valley for moose. In 2019, the department started placing radio collars on cows and now has 36 animals collared. It is the first time since then that weather has allowed the survey to be completed over the entire valley. Here is Department Wildlife Biologist Carl Kosh. You know, we always hope to get it done in November or early December because we're trying to get the composition of the herd. And so we want to see how many bulls per hundred cows there are and how many calves per hundred cows there are. And if the bulls drop their antlers, then but you can't determine which ones are bulls. The survey is also easier to conduct when there is some snow and the animals stand out against a white background. In the past, the number of animals spotted by researchers was taken as the minimum number for the population. Comparing the number of moose observed, with or without collars, to the known number of collared animals has allowed biologists to make the most accurate estimate of the moose population since starting surveys in the 60s. During the aerial surveys, they spotted just over half the collared animals and observed a total of 191 moose. Almost two-thirds were adult females. The population of the Chilkat Valley is now estimated to be at 352 animals. Kosh said this comfortably meets the agency's management objectives. You know, we have some management objectives, and one is a post-hunt population of 200 moose, so we're really in good shape there. And then uh, you need enough bulls to keep the cows pregnant every year and recruit calves into the population. We shoot for at least 25 bulls per 100 cows. Well, I saw 34 per 100 cows, so that was also a good thing to see as well. And then 16 calves per 100 cows is a little bit low, but it's within that historic range that we have for Starting around age two, cows will give birth to one or two calves per year. Depending on conditions, a third to a half of them may survive to their first year. Many will get eaten by predators in the summer. In the winter, deep snowpack impedes their movements. When snow deepens, moose seek the shelter of the forest canopy. Kosh tells of survival challenges at this time of year. They've shifted to winter diet, switching to winter browse, which is woody plants. Uh, willows and, and other browse species. That's a tough time for them because the bulls will have just been through the rut. Uh, so there's still a little bit of hormones going on, a little bit of uh, breeding activity. And that takes a lot out of the bulls. So they have usually a little bit lower survival than cows. Kosh says they are well adapted to survive the winter. They stay warm primarily because of body fat and their, and their coat, but mostly body fat. I remember reading a book many years ago if it's warmer than 15 degrees Fahrenheit, it's actually a little too warm for moose in the winter. And if it's warmer than 55 in the summer, it's actually a little too warm for them. They're you know using more energy because they're built for being in a cooler climate. Moose stay active throughout the winter. They can be aggressive. It is not recommended to approach, try to feed, drive into, or stay anywhere near a moose. That's it for the KHNS Local News. I'm Alan DePremenil. This is KHNS, Haines, Skagway and Klokwan at 102.3 and translator K220BK, Skagway, Alaska 
at 91.9.